listen to the Ticket Splitters. I'm Brian Began, and I'm here with Dan McMaster, a uh, partner here. And we're going to talk about his experience as being an elected official, being in the game, and then being an actual player in the game. Okay, Dan, so explain how you got involved in politics. Okay, well, there's a couple things that happened early early in my life. One, I was a Boy Scout. I was, I was never an Eagle Scout, but I was a little Super Scout, as some people used to call me, and you know, part of being a Boy Scout, you learn a lot about citizenship and public service. and um, So that kind of started it. And then um, along those same lines, in March of 1986, I don't remember the exact date, we got this phone call. Uh, during spring break, um, we were the only Boy Scout troop in the area that wasn't on, or that, excuse me, that was on spring break. Everyone else was in school and they needed, uh, they needed a color guard up in Owasso, and I was in Langsburg, and and our little our little pack, um, our troop went up to Owasso to do a color guard um, services for a young politician by the name of Bill Schuette, and the keynote speaker was um, Alexander Haig, who was former Secretary of State um, during uh, uh, early in the Reagan administration when when Reagan was shot, and prior to that he was in the military. He was the uh, um, the leader of NATO. But anyway, so Alexander Haig was the guest speaker. So we go up there, we get our pictures taken with Bill Schuette, Alexander Haig. We're at this breakfast, we do the flag ceremony. And I remember it was in the basement of the YWCA, which is ironically literally a couple blocks from where I live now and a block away from where Thomas Dewey grew up. Um, it's on Oliver Street. And the basement was absolutely full at this YWCA of people for this breakfast. And it was $100 a ticket. So imagine 1986 in seventh grade, I'm like, wow, people are paying $100 to come eat these scrambled eggs that don't look that good to hear this politician speak. And which is interesting because now we'd struggle for $100 sometimes at a breakfast. Sometimes we'd only get $25 for breakfast. But back then, I was just, I was just in awe and I was in amazement about Bill Schuette and his staffers and how they were handling them and the pictures, just the whole thing just captivated me. And I'm like, you know, I don't exactly understand what's going on. I don't exactly understand what I want to do, but I want to want to be part of this. I want to be part of campaigns, politics. So, you know, I started paying more, more attention. I, I go to college up at Central Michigan University doing history and political science. I love history. I got better grades in political science. I also had a military science degree, so an ROTC. So I I learned a lot, uh, probably more in military science than I did in history and political science about politics and campaigns, and uh, learned a lot about strategy and tactics and principles of war and, and you know, the, the writings of Clausewitz and Sun Tzu and, and others. I went on to graduate school for defense and strategic studies, which just continued to hammer in this, this idea of military strategy that I've carried over into the campaign world. It's interesting, the worst grade I got at Central was in a political science class. It was a it was a sophomore level class. I ended up taking the course over with a different professor and I got an A so it was replaced. But it's interesting because at the time I was real dismissive of it. It was statistical analysis basically, which in now in the campaign world, um, we deal a lot with addition, subtraction, percentages, probability. Yeah. I mean a lot. I mean you and I spent a lot of time crunching numbers yep. and likelihood of this and it's not about the numbers, it's about the numbers, it's about counting and counting and counting and counting votes. So um, from there, in 1993, 
My mother had a friend she taught with whose husband was the chief of staff for Senator Goujon, who was from Bay City. So I got a summer internship in 93 uh, that I got credit for. And then summer 95, I was actually a paid employee in the Michigan Senate while I was still going to college. Graduated uh, December 15th, 1995. December 17th at 9 o'clock, I found myself uh, working for the Michigan Senate full-time. I had a, had a day off, and then I started my career in, in state government. Um, so that's that's kind of the background. I, you know, if I could, I guess, you know, my interest in history, political science, being a Boy Scout, some military training. That's uh, my chance meeting with Bill Schuette and Alexander Haig kind of obviously fueled all, all of this. And that's kind of, that was kind of the beginning. So. All right. Now, you worked on hundreds, thousands of campaigns, correct? Correct. A lot of them. More than, more than, yeah, wow, a ton. Yeah. So something has to stand out or at least. A few things stand out because, you know, I know we've had some meetings with some interesting fellows, but uh, not naming people specifically, but just yeah, you know, general sort of. Uh, there's there's a lot, especially, you know, in, in 09 and in 2010. I don't remember the figure now, but we yeah, we met with we met with so many candidates and there's all this excitement about the Tea Party, the birth of the Tea Party and, and anti-Obama. And we had candidates coming out from all over and. A lot of, lot of interesting, uh, some of them confidential meetings with, with people. But um, one of my most, I have, I have some some couple good stories, but one of them, and this is just like politics, campaigns, a lot of this is just chance and being in the right place at the right time. But I was involved in a, in a three-way Senate special primary, uh, Republican primary. This was after Mike Rogers uh, got elected to Congress. So there was a um, governor we called the special. And uh, at the time, I was working for Representative Garcia. We were running against Representative Julian, who was who I had helped get elected in '98. He was a former boss of mine, and then Representative uh, Scranton. All three individuals I knew very well, but you know, we were at war. It was campaign time, but we were gonna, we were gonna, um, they all three of them were gonna appear on the Bill Ballinger, uh, Bill Ballinger radio show. So we we had some right or wrong. We had some people lined up to call in to ask some different questions and. And um, right before the show aired, we were over at Senator Representative Garcia's house, who was representative at the time. We were going through his mail, which was a normal thing. We were looking for a check or something, and there was this hit piece that had arrived. So the radio show started, and they were all talking about how positive campaigns are not doing a negative campaign and all this stuff. And I'm looking at this mail, negative mail piece from Representative Scranton, paid for by Representative Scranton, attacking... <laughs> attacking Julian and Garcia, and I was like, oh boy, so we had to recall everybody, get new questions, this is while the radio show was going, and, and of course, Valdi was, Valdi was unaware of what was, what was happening, and we, um, we were all on our cell phones, and we were calling, and having everyone switch questions, and what started as a very civil, amicable radio show went real negative when we had people starting to call in about this negative mail piece that just hit, and and we just it just like snowballed and spiraled out of control. Yeah, at the end of the radio show, um, uh, Representative Garcia was really the only one that was smiling. But yeah. so you know that's that's one. But that's you know kind of right place, right time. But I've I've been in, engaged, and this this gets back to my my military training is a lot of psychological warfare, and and there are times when I hit the candidate's house or their mailbox or newspaper box with a piece of literature. Um, night after night, or their neighborhood, or some of their supporters, giving the appearance that we blanketed the whole county, 
night after night after night. They might have been positive. They may have been hit pieces, you know, whatever. Um, you know, signs, you know, obviously I'm never, never an advocate for stealing signs, but, you know, one time we had this candidate uh, who was running who, who for whatever reason, on, on the sign, on the opposite side, his name was printed upside down. So he had the sign pr- is, uh, sitting at a weird direction on the highway, kind of diagonally, and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of weird. And then coming from the other way, I noticed the back of the sign. There's a reason why he had it at that angle because it was printed upside down. So I or somebody else in the car may have been stopping every night, and we didn't steal the sign, but we turned it around so his name was upside down. So this was in the middle of the night. This went on for, you know, like five, six, seven days. Then I got a little, a little paranoid, and we decided, okay, we've, we've had our fun. It's time, time, time to move on. But then that sign would get turned back around, and you would see it, you know. Um, but... A lot of a lot of the good experiences is been playing psychological warfare and 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 trying to um, you know get the element of surprise or or make our opponent not really our deception make them not realize what's really going on. Tim Skubik once told me I should be writing early in my political career. Keep a journal, and you know I, I really wish I would have because well, for uh, legal reasons, for best, legal reasons maybe not, not maybe not, not but. It's every campaign. There's always, there's always something. There's always some candidate that whether you're working for or somebody else is working for is, you know. For instance, every cycle there's always a stripper. Oh yeah, there's Democratic, Republican, whatever. House, Senate. There's always a stripper. There's always good. There's always good stories. Or even when there's a little hiccup, I always find other people's reactions. It's like okay. I'm just going to see how this plays out where other people are like, oh, my God, oh, my oh, God. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. Yeah, so. just heart yeah. attacks. Yeah. You haven't seen anyone actually have a heart attack. No, but, you know, I have had um, I've had candidates who had serious medical conditions, 10 days to go. Yeah. They were in the hospital, literally on their deathbed, and kind of sheltered from the world, and no one was really allowed to come. There was a, a list. He had been this list to go see the candidate, so... Now, that candidate really didn't know what was going on, and so the spouse kind of took over and kind of gave me and a couple others the reins to to do a few things. But uh, no, I've never. Uh, and you won. That's the important part. Yes, <laughs> and 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 we won. But yeah, no, I've had candidates uh, de- deal with tragedies of having people die or in the family. I've I've had them. I've had health concerns that you know I'm I'm calling the hospital room to give election results to and. It's interesting. I mean, like life, like everything happens. You're not immune yeah. to it, and it, it certainly happens. I guess the segue into that is because a campaign is probably the most physical and emotional thing you can do. So what are the typical highs and lows someone could expect? You know, it's uh, I learned early on it's a roller coaster. Um, there's highs and there's lows. Even if you're winning, there's always highs and lows. There's polling numbers that are really good. There's polling numbers that crash. There's um, negative attacks. There's when you find out that you or the candidate finds out, well, you thought this person was on board, but they say, well, you know, it's nothing personal. It's politics. I'm staying out of it. I'm supporting the other person. Or there's funding issues. You never have enough money, especially at the end. The money always goes out faster than it comes in. Sometimes the media is, is buying your spin and they're printing all your press releases. And, and I don't say they're helping you, but you know, the wind's at your back. And other times you're fighting the press and there's a lot of stress on the candidate, a lot of stress on family members. So there's always candidates who don't end up working. There's candidates who are who are workaholics and, and work too much and get so wrapped up into it. And luckily, in my case, most of them have won. Um, but, you know, you have some candidates who don't work. And 
you know, my my big saying I always tell I always tell everybody is perception's reality and it might not matter what the truth is and we could say it all day long, but perception's reality. So it's it's a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, there's ups, there's downs and I always fashion my role as part social worker too because Oh yeah. you're you're you all of a sudden become the uh ambassador and social worker and problem solver for the family and Yeah. And you know, the candidate might not even know, but you're you're dealing with you. We're taking care of daycare issues, yeah. or you're you're picking their cleaning up, or you're you know just all sorts of yeah. stuff. Or you know you're you're comforting the spouse to let yeah. him or her know, hey, look, it's going to be okay. This is yeah. this is normal. This is what happens. But it's it takes a unique individual. That's yeah. that's certainly for sure. Well, yeah, to talk some people down who just want to go ballistic over that's true. Things. That's true. You you and yeah. I both have had that where. Yeah. Candidates are just, or their family members are just out of control, and you're like, look, you know, we'll deal with this. Now's not the time, or we need to wait a week or two weeks, and then we'll launch a counterattack or a negative attack, or um, it's hard. It's yeah, hard. it is. Now, people know you You have the little custom vanity plate. I don't know if you still have it. Kingmaker. I do. It's yeah. no longer It's no longer on the Jaguar. It's now on a, on a Jeep Cherokee, but yeah. yes. But you fashion yourself as the Kingmaker. Yes. Why did you finally be the king? Instead of the maker, okay. so, so you advisor to so, candidate. So, you know, early on, I think everybody, everybody who gets into politics, you know, you, even even back to seventh grade, you're watching Bill shooting, you're like, ah, you know, could, could that be me one day? Can I be up there being a candidate? Can I give a, can I give a speech? Can I motivate people? Can I raise money? And then, you know, I started getting, working for individuals, elected officials, and working on campaigns, and. I saw just the, it's stressful. It takes a big toll on the candidate and, and, and the families. And, and I've seen, I've seen grown men cry, go fetal, literally go fetal and go dark and go hide in their house for, for a day or for weeks. You know, I've seen what it does to children who go to school and whether it's true or not, other kids are seeing the TV commercials and, and, you know, they're picking on the kids and, you know, so, and, and then, and then you start to realize that, you know, especially with term limits, Candidates come and go, elected officials come and go. But to be the staffer, um, to be the kingmaker, you have a longer, longer livelihood. Being being in the arena of doing politics, um, in some ways, and and not not that I'm a power hungry individual or want to influence everything, but sometimes you become more influential, being the person behind the scenes. And and so you know, when everyone's asked me, you know, have you ever run, you know, as a, as a consultant, I would say, you know. I'd have to say, look, I've never been in your shoes, but, you know, I know it must be hard. Yeah, back in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, maybe one day when, you know, if I retire, I might might run for something. But the opportunity came along. I was looking to recruit somebody for my for my own county commission seat, which um, was going to be open. Um, it had been held by the Democrats for about four, at least 40 years that I can do the math and uh, figure, do the research. And we've only had one, and that was uh, somebody elected in 2010, held it for two years. So it's not a seat really that's winnable by Republicans. Well, I couldn't find anybody. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, well, somebody's got to run for it. So luckily I was in a position no longer being a staffer, but being a consultant. I could step away from my business a little bit. I could, if I had to, I guess I could be a commissioner. So I filed, sat in the clerk's office all day long, waiting for anybody to show up, Republican, Democrat, independent green party libertarian whoever showed up i would have withdrawn my name and said here you run but nobody showed up so i'm a prime example of government by default i was the only person that showed up 
So I, I, I had an election, didn't have an opponent. I got to serve for two years. Decided uh, not to pursue it. Retrospect, maybe if I would have known that um, straight ticket ballot wasn't going to, voting wasn't going to happen, and the year was going to be the year of Republicans in Shiawassee County, you know, maybe maybe I would have went for another term, but I didn't um, I didn't do that. So I served two years. I retired undefeated. Yeah. Um, I told people I'll be back, kind of like uh, MacArthur leaving the Philippines. I told everybody, everyone's like, oh, well, you're all done. I'm like, eh, I'll probably be back one day. You know, mm-hmm. who knows? The lines may change or whatever, but I'm not, not counting it out. Well, so, just, yeah. Well, just the whole district has changed. Shiawassee County as a whole, you know, having grown up there my entire life, where it was sort of maybe a lean Democrat county at one yeah. point, sort of kind of like the barometer, because it's, there's so many different constituencies that people overlap there. It's fascinating. You know, yeah. we are... We are a county of big ticket splitters, but we're leaning towards the Republican side. And, you know, there used to be parts of the county where you knew as a candidate, like for 20 years, 25 years, okay, you weren't going to win that, but you get as many votes out of there. Now it's, okay, I can win that precinct. I can win that township. How many vote, How many more votes can I squeeze out of it? In my area, my commission seat kind of has both sides. It's in the north, it used to be really Republican. In the south, it was Democratic. Um, you're you're starting to see the South lean more Republican, and you're seeing the Republican side kind of go kind of go the other way now, uh, which is kind of fascinating to have watched over yeah. twenty twenty five years. But uh, yeah, so well, it just seems like the North part's still about the same. It's the Southern part, which is where like Trumplicans, yeah, Trumplicans, mm-hmm. which which would have been Reagan to some their parents or grandparents may yeah. have been Reagan Democrats back in the yeah. back in the eighties, obviously. We could go on for about 45 minutes about <laughs> changing demographics, but we're not. So, obviously, you being a candidate, so your experience wasn't much different because you didn't really go through the full candidate experience not having an election. How would you have ran your race if you were if you actually had a race? Well, I mean, I was, I have to tell you, I was very paranoid. I had a lot of anxiety that, okay, I'm in. Somebody's going to do a write-in to get a name on the ballot for the fall or you know, something's going to happen. And none of that materialized, um, but I was prepared. I started drafting stuff. I had had everything ready to go if I had to had to buy stuff. So that's part of it is, you know, be, being prepared for the unknown. But but time, I, I tell everybody, time is the big equalizer. Like somebody can have more money than you. Somebody could be more or less qualified. You all have the same amount of time. There's no, the early bird sometimes gets the worm and on uh, endorsements or door knocking. And every day that you don't work, every hour you don't work, is wasted. Every hour you work and your opponent doesn't, well, that's just an hour a day or a week in the bank for you. So, you know, you gotta, you got to use your time wisely, efficiency. I, I, I tell everyone, you know, you plan the work and you work the plan. And, uh, you know, some stuff's going to happen. It's going to be chaos. It's like war. Some things don't happen. You can be prepared for it, but try to be prepared for it. But, uh, you know, day in and day out, year after year after year, the candidate that works the hardest, the candidate that meets the most people, unless there's something dysfunctional with yeah. the candidate, is probably going to be the winner. The person that works the hardest, whether it's hardest at fundraising, hardest at door knocking, hardest at attending meetings, you know, whatever. The person with the most passion. Um, yeah. It has, it has the odds are in their favor. Yeah. In, in most cases, obviously, there are certain circumstances. Right. There's there, times right? that people yeah. can't win. There, there's always outliers. Numbers. Right. But yeah, so, that, right. so was being an elected official everything you thought it'd be, and you have like a new sort of empathy for the people that actually you know, do I, serve? I, um, 
I do because you know I've. It's hard. It's it's even even as somebody who didn't may have to make any campaign promises. Somebody who knew they probably weren't going to be able to get elected or run for a second term. But yet you're you're still you're listening to your constituency. There's there's issues that there's vote there's votes that I would take or knew I had to take that would keep me up at night, which I think is a good thing because it shows that I was worried and I, you know, I was doing my homework. Um, there's frustrations. You're you get elected to a board, they may not have some of the same experience that you have, so you get you get frustrated. No matter how much experience you have. You know, there are no qualifications. There are no preparations. And I don't care if you're running to be a U.S. senator or a state rep or a county commissioner on the school board. You can have all the previous experience. You can be a teacher and think, well, yeah, I can serve on the school board. Or you can be a political staffer. You know, 90% of the stuff I knew because I've, I've worked and, and worked with local government, worked with state government, and I, and I knew a lot of the stuff going into it. There's a lot of stuff thrown at you. You can't be an expert at everything. And it's that 10% that you don't know. You literally don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And sometimes that, that comes to haunt you. Sometimes that's a lot of work. Um, you know, I think in the two years, the group I was with, uh, we did a lot for the county, balancing balancing the budget. I mean, I've said it's required every year, but we were, we were for the first time, didn't have to borrow from the uh, delinquent taxpayers fund. So we made a lot of fiscal changes. We did some organizational changes. We were very pro-business, economic development. We had a wind energy. We had a solar energy issue. We had a mud bog issue. Um, we had we had a lot of a lot of stuff. We had we had uh, wage increases. We had a wage study. We did first time in ten years. Employees got uh, received raises. We had contracts we were working on. There was a lot of stuff that we did. We had a nine one one building that. Um, we needed, but it had been started the previous term, and it was kind of a beginning to be a boondoggle. We had to rein in some of the spending on that. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I was part of it. I look back. I went. I won't tell you what vote, but there's one vote I, I regret that I made, which everyone else would. If you were a commissioner, you probably agree with me. If the rest of the world, you, you probably don't even know what what that what that one vote was or why it was significant. But you know, it was bittersweet. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's hard right now as a as a. Uh, county employee now i can't engage in arguments with other commissioners yeah. i can't i can't engage with people in the crowd I, I had a hard time in the beginning listening especially during public comment i always wanted to respond to people and normally you don't do that and i got always frustrated because people would get up there and talk about stuff that wasn't true or didn't have all the facts and and i was known to sometimes to be a little vocal but uh it's bittersweet some some things i'm, I'm glad i I have more more free time now, but I know there was still a lot of work that had to be done. So yeah, and also running in Chiawassee County, even though it's a small county, it's one of the few places that actually has local media anymore. It is. I yeah. mean, you know, we have uh, a little bit of coverage from M Live with the Flint Journal, but uh, not really a lot. But, but but not a lot, and a little bit from the State Journal. But but we have the Argus, which is a daily. Yeah, we have the Weekly, or which is uh, covers half the county that comes out on the weekend, and we have the Independent which goes countywide, and that comes out on the weekend. We have Tom Mankey, who's got two Facebooks that has more of a followership than any media, social media combined. Um, then we've got uh, Duran Now and, and um, a couple other other smaller Facebook websites um, that are covering stuff. So a lot of what I, yeah. what a lot, a lot that you would do, your votes, uh, your comments at meetings yeah. would be publicized. And a lot of our meetings were recorded and available on YouTube, which yeah. was, you always knew that either the board as a whole did something good or bad, or some commissioner was behaving or not by the number of 
views on YouTube. Yeah. Because when all of a sudden those views are going faster than every time you click it, they're going faster than you can imagine. Um, people are tuned in and word is spreading. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely under a, a, a magnifying glass. So yeah, that would prepare you for the big time. So, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Even though as you found that local media has really not existed in most of these local races or even the state races. For yeah. That matter. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's kind a of unique, unique experience. And, and, and even TV media yeah. was not uncommon. Uh, Channel 6 yeah. or 66 or 47 or yeah. 5 or 12 or 25, yeah. they'd call. It. And for better or worse, all my colleagues are like, oh, let's have Dan do it. And yeah. I live close to the courthouse, so yeah. a lot of times there I am standing in front of the courthouse talking about issues yeah. that yeah. are sometimes controversial. And they are good local papers. So check out the Radio Weekly. they got this really great outdoors column. As you should they, do, they, they do have a good, uh, put a little plug in for the Weekly Sportsman. It's kind of my right. I've been doing it almost two years. It's about hunting and fishing and a little bit of politics and conservation and farming, kind of the local culture of the people of Clinton, Shiawassee, Gratiot, and Saginaw County. So being a commissioner, positive experience? I would say overall, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and it's, uh, I think as a consultant down the road here, it's going to make me a better consultant because yeah. I, I can relate better to candidates. There's, you know, I know it could be a lonely world out there. Like I said, I know sometimes, you know, all of a sudden I'm the one no vote and six people yeah. are yes. And, and then people are asking me and, and you have to defend stuff. And, and I've learned that as elected official, you need a little more decorum and politeness than you do as a as a staffer or yeah. as a consultant, and um, you really need to you really need to take that into consideration. Everyone does have the right to speak, and obviously address local officials during uh, public comment. Yep. So, any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, well, I'm happy to be back in the kingmaker role, but uh, I would just I would just say I I stepped up to the plate. Um, there, there's a lot of times. People don't. We have a local government by default, and I always tell my my sons this, and and they kind of laugh because I I stole it from uh, movie National Treasures when Nicholas Cage is reading the uh, Declaration of Independence, and and his sidekick there's uh, asking what it really means, and he says it means people that have the ability have the responsibility, and and I'm not saying everybody has the ability or has the time or has the resources to run for public office. But if you do, it's part of, it's part of being a citizen. It's part of being part of democracy is sometimes, sometimes you have to step up and you have to run for office and, and, and be, be part of the, uh, the elected process. Yep. Well, that's our show today. So thanks Dan for well, thank uh, sharing. You. Thank you. So this is Dan McMaster. I'm Brian Began. This is the ticket splitters and bye for now.